0: Around uh, Atlanta, and so there was uh, flights being diverted everywhere, uh, airlines canceling flights and stuff, and so we got a little bit of that. Uh, Daniel says that for 20 minutes he was fit, felt like he was on a roller coaster, which is a long time to be on a roller coaster and to not know when it was going to end or how it was going to end. But uh, we're here, thank you. Uh, but we got off the plane and we got uh, out out of the airport, and there was another pastor, one of our friends from Tampa, Julius was there, and he said how was the flight? And we're like, it was good. It was a good flight. It was a little bit turbulent. And he started shaking his head. He's like, my flight was awful. And he's like, so much turbulence. I just came out of the bathroom and I threw up. And so <laughs> that was kind of the, the beginning of our, of our trip. And then we had a 40 minute ride and we're all kind of feeling nauseous in the car and uh, driving 40 minutes to get to Duluth where our meetings were going to be. And uh, we flew in a, in between times. We didn't get to eat breakfast. We didn't get to eat lunch, and so we're kind of hungry. And so during our meeting, we're just munching on you know Korean snacks the whole time, like bread, uh, cream in it, and then these like tomato stick pretzel uh, things. And then after the meeting, long day, uh, a long day of meetings, we uh, were going to eat dinner. And I'm still feeling a little bit nauseous and feeling kind of run down. Uh, but they say, hey, uh, we wanted to take you guys to all-you-can-eat. Uh, you know, Asian buffet, is that okay with you? And we're like, eh, I mean, if you really want to, uh, I guess that's okay. So, you know, there was like sushi, really good sushi, right? Good sushi, and they had Korean meats and uh, all kinds of other stuff. And it was, you know, sounds a lot better than it was because we're still feeling a little bit under the weather. And then our flight gets delayed two hours, and so we're supposed to leave at 8.55. We end up leaving at 10.45. We get to the airport, and we're, we're tired. We're beat, um, ready to go home ready to sleep, ready to be in the warm Orlando weather. And so we go through security at the main terminal and we've got to get to gate F. So we get to the terminal, we're walking, go down the escalator and we're at terminal A. We're at terminal A and it's, well, we're not even at A, we're at the main terminal, we got to go to gate A. And so we're looking, and it says, walking time from here to the A gate is five minutes. So we're thinking, that's not too bad, but to go from A to F then is going to be over half an hour. Like, oh my gosh, this is awful. We're tired. We're feeling like ready. Man, we're not going to make it home. That's what we're thinking to ourselves. But thankfully, the gift of God running parallel to us was the plane train. The plane train, you guys know the plane train? We have one here called the tram, but there it's called the plane train. And it says, we will take you from where you are to the A gate, the B gate, the C gate, wherever you want to go all the way to the F gate. All you need to do is hop on. And all we needed to do, there was a little electronic timer and it said, wait time from here until the next train is four minutes and 38 seconds. We said, wow, that's pretty good. We're not going to walk this 30-minute thing. We can't even, we feel like we're going to pass out if we get there. We're going to just take the plane train and we're going to get there and we're going to make it home tonight. That's what we were saying. I thought about this and I thought to myself, I wonder if any of us have ever wished that there was a plane train for our soul. A soul train, if you will. When your soul feels tired, when your heart feels overwhelmed, when you feel like, at this rate, I'm not going to make it home, when it feels like the journey ahead of you is so long and you don't think you have the wherewithal in order to make it that far. You ever wish that there was a soul train that could pick you up where you were and take you to where you needed to go? Here's the great thing in this book of promises that God has given to us, everyone who has put their trust in Jesus Christ has been given a treasure chest of God's promises, which if you open up, there is a promise for those days and those weeks and those months, even those years, when you feel like, I don't think I can make it any further. There's a promise for you, because I know if you're anything like me, you felt this way. He felt like, I don't think I can make it. I don't think I can go on. In fact, God's people throughout time have felt this way a lot. Can you think about what the people of God felt when they were slaves in Egypt and they had to bake these bricks and they had to go and do all of this work that the Egyptian slave drivers were forcing them to do? And then they said, okay, we're going to make you have to come up with that same output but we're not going to give you the material. You're going to have to go and find it yourself. You think they felt overwhelmed like they couldn't make it any further? Or when the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness, what should have been a, a week-long trek into the promised land, but they're wandering for 40 years. Can you imagine what they're thinking after year three? Man, I thought this was only a few-year trek, or a few-mile mi- few trek, and it's, we're in our third year. And then it gets to year seven, and year eight, and year 15, and 20, and 25, and people are dying. You think they wonder? if they're ever going to make it to the promised land. For all these times when you feel like, I don't have the strength, I don't have the energy, I don't have the fortitude in me to go on any further, God gives us a promise of hope and of strength. And it comes to us from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. Do you know anything about Isaiah, <clears throat> he was a prophet. He lived 700 years before Jesus. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah were written to talk about what's going to happen to the people of God because of their obstinate heart, because of their rebellion against God, because they're turned away from him. Isaiah is saying in the first 39 chapters, this is what's going to happen and it's not going to be good. And starting in verse, I'm sorry, in chapter 40, it's like Isaiah fast forwards 150 years to a time that has not yet come, and he's speaking to the people of God who are in exile. They have been taken away from their home to Babylon, and he's giving words of hope to that community who has been settled in Babylon, and he gives words of hope. So what's the context here? They have been marched 600 miles through the desert. The Babylonians have come, and they've attacked their city. They've attacked their nation, the kingdom of Judah. Their temple has been torn down, burnt down, destroyed. Their people have been killed. Their people have been raped. Their villages have been plundered. And they've been marched as prisoners 600 miles into Babylon. And all around is a people of God. Look around Babylon. They see no sign of God. And all they see are signs of the Babylonian religions. 53 temples dotting the landscape of Babylon, each to their own false gods. And when the Israelites looked around, the people of Judah looked around, they saw the Babylonian people are happy, they're prosperous, they're successful, they're protected. While here we are languishing in exile, even the strongest of people felt like they were ready to give up. May not sound too different From the way some of us feel in America. We look around. We sing. Our God reigns. Out of ashes you lifted us up. But then we look around. And we see all of these other idols. And it seems like those who don't worship God. Are prosperous and successful. And we're wondering God. If you're really alive. If you're really everything that you say you are. Then why is it that this is our situation. Because here's our reality in America. We're not living in Jerusalem. We're living in Babylon. We were in Jerusalem maybe 30 years ago, but we're in Rome, we're in Babylon now. And we're not the majority culture. And we're living in this place and maybe we're asking the same questions that the Israelites were asking. God, we don't think we can make it. Where are you? If you say you're all that, you're that strong, why are we here feeling so overwhelmed, so discouraged, so beat up, like we don't have any strength to go on anymore? God, what do we do? Where do we go from here? And in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31, God gives us this amazing promise to us that he once spoke as we overhear to his people years ago. This is God's word. Why do you say, O Jacob, he's talking to his people, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God They will walk and not be faint. This is God's word. Isn't this, all, isn't this like like gasoline for, for your body? Like, ah, oh man, I came in here like on empty, but I read this and now I'm ready to ready to go. Do you feel like this, anyone? Me? I feel like that. Maybe I'll have to explain it a little bit. So verse 27, why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? So the very things that I just said, it's what they were saying, it's what they were complaining about. In fact, it's a a continual present tense. So what God is saying is, why do you keep on saying? And why do you keep on complaining? So it's been a while that this has been going on. But they keep on saying, God, where are you? God, do you see us? We're tired. We're overwhelmed. We're beat up. We're frustrated. I don't think I can go on any longer. I don't know. It seems like there's no end in sight. That's what they've been saying over and over, time and time again. And so he says, why do you say that? Why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord and my cause is disregarded by my God? Say, why do you say that? Don't you know who I am? In fact, that's what he goes on to say in verse 28. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? And he says this before. He says this, I think, in verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? And he says this a lot. He likes to say this a lot as a way of saying, hey, you should know this by now. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? It's a rhetorical question. Yes, we know. Yes, we've heard. And what is he trying to get them to understand? He's trying to get them to know that, yeah, God knows. He's trying to get them to hear that, yeah, God hears. I understand. And what you're going through is not hidden to me. So, what is God trying to say to his people? What is he trying to say to us? What is he trying to say to them? What is he trying to say to people throughout all time? Here's the first thing. If you're human, If you're human, sometimes you'll get tired and want to quit. If you're God, you won't. If you're human, sometimes you're going to get tired and want to quit. But if you're God, you won't. So here, if you're tired, two things are true. One, you're human. (laughs) And two, you're not God. That's huge. That in itself can be a relief. So what does this mean? When I, uh, when I read this, now here's the reality that he's giving. Uh, the Lord is the everlasting God, creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Okay, that's not, that, that first thought is simple. Understanding no one can fathom. Verse 29, uh, he gives strength to the weary, increase the power of the weak. Why? Verse 30, even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. He's saying this is a fact of life. If you're human, you're going to get tired. I uh, was thinking uh, back a few years when we used to go out to, the, to inner city Tampa, spring break, we'd take a trip out there. And sometimes we'd bring like 20, 30, 40 of our students at, w- at one point And we would go out to Tampa. We'd have some connections out there. And we would do this outreach in the projects and in the inner cities and, and do a lot of different things. So we'd wake up in the morning. We would eat breakfast and do our devotion, do a quiet time, spend some time in prayer. And then uh, in the morning, we'd go out, got to the neighborhood, and uh, we'd find a, a person whose home was falling apart, and we'd go and we'd paint it in order that <clears throat> when this person came home, they wouldn't see, you know, a lot of times we see our home falling apart. We feel like that's a picture of life. And so we, we'd go and we'd paint their home and, and give them new hope and encourage them and pray with them. We'd do things like that. We'd go door to door knocking on people's doors saying, hey, we're with this church, and trying to serve people in the name of the Lord. Is there anything that we can do to help you? We'd share the gospel with people. And then we'd come back and we'd eat lunch together. And then during the uh, afternoon, we'd go out. And this is springtime in in, in Tampa, so very hot. And uh, we'd have these big block parties. We'd go to, to different places. We'd gather kids and gather adults. And we'd, we'd cook food, bo- uh, hamburgers, hot dogs. And uh, we'd play with people. We'd, we'd We'd do jump rope. We'd face paint. We'd play basketball tournaments, all these different kinds of things. And... Uh, towards the end of the time, right before dinner, it would get really kind of, we'd get tired, we'd go home for dinner, or go to our base for dinner, we'd eat dinner, and then after that, we'd start a worship service uh, for our team. So we would worship, we would share, we would debrief, we would pray. And then after that was done, about maybe 9.30 or 10, uh, take a break for snacks, and then uh, during that time, it was a special time for us, he said, anyone who wants to just, um, just stay up, and we'll go upstairs, and we're just gonna pray all night. We're gonna pray all night. So if you wanna come and pray, we're going to worship, and then we're going to pray. And, and I would go around. And I would just pray for people, and we'd share, and we'd talk, and, and we'd go until like 3 in the morning, and then we'd be back up at 8 o'clock and, and go hit the day hard. And this one particular day we were out in Tampa, uh, it was at the tail end of the day. We had stayed up until really late the night before, and we were going and, and doing this outreach. And, and we are at this one uh, Boys and Girls Club uh, near the church that we were staying at, and uh, we were helping kids with homework. And then once they finished their homework, they could go outside and play. And they were playing, they were running around, playing tag, and, and this went on. Usually these are, go for like maybe two or three hours, but this particular block party was like all day long. It was like five hours passed, six hours passed. We're still just sitting there chilling, and, our, and, and the guy, our, our contact there, was just kind of hanging out, and it uh, seemed like he was in no hurry to leave for anywhere. And so I sat down next to him. He's like, how you doing? I was like, dude, I'm, I'm beat. I'm ready. And this was like the first time I ever had uh, a five-hour energy. But beside the point, but I'm watching people run around and, and some of us were tired and we're sitting down, but I looked at some of our high school guys and they were like at the sixth hour, still running around, laughing, giggling, smiling. By that point, it was so hard for me to even smile. I was amazed at these young men, these youth, as they were running around and they were laughing and playing tag. And one more game of basketball, one more game of this, one more jumper up. And I'm like, dude, they never get tired. We finished out that block party and we ate dinner. And then it was time for worship service. And the funny thing is that those young men, so strapping, strong, energy filled, limitless As soon as I started preaching, they were knocked out. (laughs) And I realized the truth of this verse. Even youth (laughs) grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Because here's our reality. He's saying even the most powerful of people are going to feel this way. Listen, someone says to you, how are you doing? Don't feel like feeling tired and overwhelmed is a sign of weakness. No, no, no. It's a sign of your humanity. It means you're human. It means that we have limits. That's why we get tired. This was happening in Babylon. The best, the strongest, the most strapping, the most promising of young men were brought to Babylon. But under the oppressive weight of the Babylonian regime, they were being overwhelmed and they felt tired and they felt like giving up and they felt like they were going to throw in the towel. God is saying, if you feel that way, it happens to the best of people on earth. And in fact, this word literally, <clears throat> when it says young men, it means the best of the best, like the cream of the crop, the Olympic athletes, even they grow tired and weary. I think This is life, guys. This is life. If you never get tired, then you're not a human, you're a machine, right? You're a robot, you're a cyborg. <clears throat> Either that or you're God, because God doesn't. It. it says here: The Lord is the everlasting God. It literally it means He is I mentioned this word, He's limitless. From eternity past to eternity future, God has no limits. The reason we get tired is because we've pushed ourselves beyond our limits. Because we do have limits. Physically, emotionally, we have limits. Mentally, we have limits. I feel like my brain is going to pop if I study for these SATs anymore because our mind has reached its limits. We have limits. This is part of our humanity. But it says God does not. Built into the kit of every human being is this sense in which when our limits are reached, we will get tired. It's in your owner's manual. But it's not in God's. God will never get tired. He is limitless. In what way? His power is limitless. It says here, the creator of the ends of the earth. Everything that you see and everything that you do not see. God created all of those things in its vast array. His power has no limits. Your power has limits. My power has limits. God's saying mine doesn't. His strength has no limits. He will not grow tired or weary. Sometimes, man, you come to work or you go to school in the morning and you, you look like you've had a rough night. People say, how are you doing? I'm doing tired. Why? I didn't get any sleep. Why not? I was just off all night. Why, well, you got something going on? Yeah, I've got problems in my life. I got all this stuff going on. My kids are, are falling behind in school or my parents are arguing or uh, I don't know what's going to happen with my job. I don't know what's going to happen with our, our future. I don't know, you know, all of these things in our mind and we stay up late. And so in the morning, we end up paying for it. Why? Because we've passed our limits. But here's what he's saying. If you know that there is a God who does not grow tired or weary, And we don't need to stay up all night anymore worrying about our issues. Why? Because God's already doing that for us. So we can get sleep. In fact, in Psalms, it says he gives rest. He gives sleep. He grants sleep to those whom he loves. Well, we know that. We don't have to stay up all night stressing out, worrying. We can turn our problems over to God because he won't get tired or weary and he's staying up anyway. And then his his limitless goes to a third thing. It says his understanding in verse 28, no one can fathom. The literal picture is this is a a nautical term where uh, you're looking down into the bottom of a well that has no bottom in it. And you look down and you're trying to sco- uh, scope and probe into the wisdom of God. It says his understanding. No one can fathom. You can't see the depth of his wisdom. It is a limitless wisdom. So we can trust him because his power, strength, and wisdom are limitless. There's a, there are times, I, this one preacher says this. There are times when <clears throat> you look back at choices you've made in life. Which at the time you thought this is a great choice. To date this guy Uh, to take this job, to go on this trip. Everything seems like it's a great idea, but you look back on it in hindsight and you're like, man, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. It seems so right at the time, but here present you looks back at past you and calls that past you a stupid you. What does that mean? Here's what it means. That means that right now, some of the choices you make that you think are so wise and so great and so smart, future you is going to look back and say, you know what, that was really stupid. Here's what it means. We're not as smart as we think. We're not as wise as we think. We need help. We need help. We need help in the areas of power, strength. We need help in the areas of wisdom. And God's wisdom is limitless. Those times where you feel like, man, I don't have it in me to go on any further. And if you feel that way, all he's saying Simple fact, simple fact. There's nothing wrong with you. In fact, the very fact that you get tired and weary is a sign that you're human. And the sign that God is God is that he doesn't and that he is limitless in all that he does. This is the first thing, very simple thing. The second thing, second thing that we see then, that God will give you his strength if you wait on him. God will give you his strength. You wait on him. It says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Okay, this is what God is saying. You feel weak if you feel weary. Then I will give you strength and I will give you power. In other words, the very things that I am unlimited in, I'll give that to you. In other words, what the, the, the language of the Hebrew is saying, he will, God is going to make an exchange with you. He's going to make an exchange with you. You exchange your weakness, your tiredness, your baggaged, broken places, and he will give you his power and his wisdom and his strength. That's a great trait, isn't it? He, he's saying it, it, it's the language of an exchange. Uh, a couple years ago, maybe it was last year, Uh, My computer, my MacBook Pro from 2011, I was working on it, and it started getting really slow. The applications would take forever to load. That circling rainbow that would spin and lock up your computer for minutes at a time was happening almost half of the waking moments of my computer's life. I was like, man, this is a problem. So I called one of our guys. I called Sung, who sometimes plays keyboard. I said, hey, Sung, my computer is like super slow. What should I do? He's like, oh, what kind of hard drive do you have? I said, I don't know, hard drive from 2011. He said, let's replace it. Let's replace it with a solid state drive. I was like, all right, if you know what, what that means. Uh, one, of our, one of our brothers had given me one. And so I said, okay, I'll bring it to you and you do that thing for me. And he's like, all right. And so he's like working and he's talking and I'm trying to figure out what he's doing. But at the end of the day, I don't really care. I was just like, I need, a, I need my computer because I got to get back and, and do some stuff. And so he's fiddling around with it. He says, put your finger here. Put my finger there. he's like, "Now, you know, do all this stuff. And then the end, he's like, all right, I think we got it. I think we got it. Like, turn it on. I turned it on. He's like, is it any different? I was like, dude, this thing is like amazing. Thing was like flying. It was like, I felt like I had a brand new computer. Like all of that, no more of that spinning rainbow wheel. And I pushed on. Uh, Microsoft Word or whatever application, and it didn't bounce in the dock for like an hour before it finally opened up. And I was like, this is a brand new computer. I was like, what do I owe you? He's like, you don't owe me anything. Are you kidding me? All this, you don't have to pay me anything. So I was really excited. Really excited because anytime I could exchange a broken, slow, tired, overwhelmed machine for something that was flying like that, I would do that any day. Notice what God is saying. I want you to make this same exchange with your, with your heart, with your soul, with your body. I want you to make that exchange with me. You feel tired? You feel like it's taking you forever to get up in the morning for you to get up and running? You feel like your heart wants to just give up and give out? And listen, I'll make a trade with you. I'll give you my strength so that you don't have to deal with that. I mean, you can ride your soul train throughout the day. All I'm asking you to, hey, I can give this to you. And all of this came at no cost to you when you put your trust in Christ, because Jesus paid for everything already. And he paid for the strength that you need. He paid for the power that you need. He paid for the wisdom that you need. But we're sitting there like I did when I bought my new car, having no idea that all of these things came with the car that I had. Saying, this is you. This is what you've got. You shouldn't be walking. Yeah, I mean, it's natural for you to feel powerless and weak and overwhelmed, but you shouldn't be staying like that. You shouldn't be living like that because I've given you so much more. Are you experiencing this as a child of God? Yeah, we feel tired, but that should not be the constant pattern of our lives because I give strength to the weary. I increase the power of the weak. So How does this happen? When I was a kid, one of my favorite shows growing up was uh, it was called The Masters of the Universe. Anyone? Not many people I knew really played with this or watched this. Anyone know Masters of the Universe? Okay, yeah, a few of us. The hero of Masters of the Universe was a guy named He-Man. Right? He, it, it, He-Man was like a action figure. Was like he just like muscles everywhere, like Hulk Hogan he looked almost like Hulk Hogan, the wrestler. He had blonde hair and like looked like a triangle on his head. He had massive muscles just busting out of his body. But he was like, he was so, so cool. I wanted to look like He-Man. That's why I, (laughs) I wanted to look like him, but I never did. Never got to that place. But all these superheroes have an alter ego. Or I don't know, is that what it's called? An alter ego? So Clark Kent becomes Superman and Peter Parker becomes Spider-Man. The alter ego of He-Man was Prince Adam. Right? Prince Adam. And he was this, uh, so on Wikipedia, I didn't know much about Prince Adam. I didn't really care about him, so I Wikipedia'd him, and it said he's a lazy coward. Yeah, that's what uh, the girls in, in Eternia called him. They said he was lazy and he was a coward. And so he's a lazy coward, and then all of a sudden, he gets infused with the strength, so that he becomes He-Man, and he goes and he beats up all the bad guys like Skeletor and Beast Man and all these other people. How does that happen? Here's how it happened for him: He would get his sword out and he would lift it into the sky, and he would say, "By the power of Grayskull!" Okay, yeah, that was the name of the castle. Um, I don't know what the castle symbolized, but by the power of skull, I have the power. And then this like lightning would come and it would strike the sword. And then all of a sudden this lazy coward Prince Adam would become he, man. Yeah. The master of the universe. I was like, man, that would be so cool. If that's all we had to do. hold up our Bible. We feel weak by the power of heaven. Like, I have the power. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I'm going to run through a brick wall for Jesus. That would be great. But that's not the way it happens. Oh, that would be so good, wouldn't it? That would be so easy. They'd be like flying around like angels everywhere and there'd be like holes in walls all around central Florida, but that's not the way it is. How does it work? Every promise that God gives is one of two kinds. One, they're unconditional promises. means there's nothing you need to do and this promise is yours. I have loved you with an everlasting love. We don't earn that. We don't buy that. We don't bribe God for it. He just loves us. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. He doesn't say, as long as you're good. He doesn't say that. Unconditional promises. Then there are promises that are conditional. It means if you want these promises, then you need to fulfill the conditions of it. How do we get the strength and the power? How does the limitless God phew, trade with limited, finite us? in order that we can get strength when we're weary and power when we feel weak. Verse 30, uh, verse 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Literally, it says those who wait on the Lord. And the, 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 the Hebrew word for wait and hope are very similar because waiting is the highest expression of faith that you can give. Think those who wait with hope for the Lord will renew their strength. That means we get ourselves... Here's what God is not doing. He's not saying, I'm going to, bam, zap you with power so that you can do all these things. What is he saying? All the things that he promises, strength, and power are the very things that he says belong to him. So what is he saying? You want strength and power? I'm saying, I'm giving you myself. I'm giving you me. And when you wait for me, when you get me, when you wait and you hope for me, that's when you will find the strength that you need. That's when you get on the plane train for your soul to get from here to there. You feel overwhelmed when you think, uh, some of us do this. We look at our to-do list. We look at our planner for the week. look at all the different meetings that you've got, all of the different people that you, all the difficult conversations that you've got to have. And you're like, man, I feel overwhelmed. I just feel like, I, I hope somebody cancels an appointment so that my week gets easier. He's saying, no, 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 no. I'm not telling you to pray that your load gets lighter. I'm telling you to wait so that your shoulders get stronger. He's saying, that's what he's saying. In Babylon, he's like, "I'm not going to take you out of Babylon. You're going to be there for some time. But here's what I'll do for you. I'm not going to bring you out of exile, not yet, at least. I want to make you into a man of God. I want to make you into a woman of God. That's what I'm doing. And so, in the midst of your struggle, when you feel overwhelmed, listen. If you feel tired, you feel weary, you feel weak, you feel ready to give up, congratulations. You're the next contestant on Let's Get Strength from God. If you're feeling like that, God's saying you are the in the perfect position to receive the power of God in your life. But sometimes we want it to be in this like epic and cool and grand way. You know, here here comes a plane train going through the Atlanta airport. It would be really cool if we could just keep on doing what we're doing, just walking along. And as the train is going along, we start jogging, we start running and then we jump through the window of the plane train. That would be so epic and amazing. That would be cool. That would validate my sense of, yeah, I did it, and now I got on the plane train, and I did what I needed to get the strength. But God's saying, no, here's how you do it. You don't do any of that stuff. You wait for me. You wait that four minute, 38 seconds until the train comes, and then you get in. That's my way of doing it. Do you believe that if you wait and you're not doing anything that you feel like is productive, that I'm going to come and I'm going to meet with you. See, here's our, here's our thing. We don't want to wait four minutes and 38 seconds, though. We don't want to wait a day. We don't want to wait a week. That Abraham waited years. He waited decades for God. It says in Hebrews, Abraham did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he waited because he knew that the one who promised is faithful. You believe that God is faithful and that he'll give you himself when you need it, as you wait on him, as you get into his presence, and as you seek him, and as you wait, that you would receive what God promises. Here's what it looks like. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It's almost a backwards progression here. He goes, okay, you're going to soar. And then you're going to run. And then you're going to walk and not trip. Seems like it should be the other way around. If he's given me strength, if he's given himself to me, then I'll walk. And then as I start walking, I'll start running. And then as I get closer to Jesus, I'll start flying into the sunset. Until I see Jesus in glory. But he flips it around the other way. He says, no, you're going to soar first. You're going to run. And then at the end, what strength is going to do is it's going to let you walk. Why? Because flying is, I mean, if you can imagine like an eagle, right? Soar on wings like eagles, not riding on a turbulent airplane. But if you were to soar like an eagle, that would be fun. That would be, The views would be amazing. It, it would be, there would be stories to tell. You could see everything. You could, it feels so cool and feels so amazing. The beginning of our Christian journey, a lot of times, this is what it's like. We're soaring. Why? Because God wants to let us know that it's worth it to follow him. There's a joy. There's an exhilaration. There's a sense of, yeah, excitement, and I can do this. But in time, you and I know this. We hit the ground. And then we got to start running. And it's not as easy as just spreading our wings and God carries us. We start running. And it gets hard. And yet, even as we go along, we feel like, man, I'm not tired. I can do this. I can keep on going. And after a while, because we're human, we get to that place where we just start walking. And as we progress in the Christian life, here's what God is saying. A lot of times, Christian life isn't this beautiful, majestic, soaring, or even running like the chariots of fire. Sometimes, Christian life is just about walking, putting one step in front of the other. Sometimes things will be that hard. You don't know if you can make it another step, but he's saying just one step at a time. Step-by-step, this is a Christian life. Say, listen, I promise you, it's going to be hard. But I promise that I'll give you the strength that you need in order to do this, in order to get to that place. That's a promise that God gives to us. not going to leave us to do that. To me, if this is an exchange I'll gladly make every day of my life. When my hard drive is worn down, I'm ready to quit ready to trade this old one in. I'm going to give you new strength so that you can make it another day. And you say, forget about, forget about how you're going to make it 40 years. Forget about how you're going to make it through the end of this year. Just, I'm, all, I'm giving you strength for today. And you walk day by day, but you make sure that you get into my presence and you wait for me and you hope in me and you trust that the one who promised is going to be faithful and I will give you everything that you need in order to make it to the end of the day. And then you do the same thing tomorrow. And you do the same thing the next day. A long obedience in the same direction. Faithfully walking with God. You want to make that exchange? Right? Your weariness, your tiredness, for Him, His strength? Because this is the heartbeat of Christianity. The one place where you see this great exchange clearer than any other place. Is at the cross. I mean, you see it all throughout the life of Jesus when the infinite, limitless, everlasting God came down and limited himself to baby skin. Limited that power so that he, just like every single one of us, was at the mercy of a young mother limited himself so that the one who created the ends of the earth, who never grows tired or weary on his last breath, said, I'm thirsty and I'm weak because I enter into the experience of all humanity. And it's at the cross where we say, you know what, God, the world tells me I've got to have it all together in order for me to get to heaven. But Christianity and the good news of the gospel is completely contrary. It says, I come knowing that I'm weak and I am insufficient for the task. But at the cross, I trade my insufficiency and I receive his all-sufficiency in order that I might have life. And it's what we do every day of our lives. And it's why Jesus could say to those who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Great exchange. It says it's available to you today. Pray. Anyone in need of God's power and God's strength today? You are let's tell him that if you feel beat up worn down burnt out fried and toasted by the stuff of life here's what he's saying you are ready to receive the all-sufficient everlasting power of god in your life all you need to do is acknowledge that you need him would you do that let's do that for a minute right now let's just pray to the lord Exchange your weariness, your burden, your tiredness. Exchange all of that for his strength, his power, which is limitless. He could give it to every single person on this planet and you would still have infinite amounts of power and strength to make it through the day for the glory of God. All you need to do, trade it. Take off those weary clothes. Put on the clothes of strength and power as you wait. Come into my presence. Wait, hope, seek, deceive. Let's pray. Lord, I need your strength today. Perhaps you know a friend, house church member, spouse, who feels weary, overwhelmed and tired. Would you take a moment to pray for Him or her as well. Pray, Lord Almighty, help them to wait upon you, to wait on you to receive the strength that you have for them. Let's pray for a minute or so and then we'll continue. at some point have experienced it's that weight is the heaviness of life and all that it hands to us we feel the pressure and the stress of trying to compete with others to have the best grade point average because we understand that that might affect our college board chances we feel the weight and feel overwhelmed we go home and we fight with our spouse day after day we just can't seem to understand each other we go to work and we feel the heaviness of a boss who's oppressive and we don't know what he or she is thinking we feel like our job is on the line constantly we feel the pressure wondering what people are doing on that Friday night when we're home alone and feel like we don't know if we can make it any longer living with this weight on our hearts. So many different things that bring so much weariness to our hearts. But we thank you that in the name of Jesus we have hope because Jesus, you didn't just secure for us a future And redeem a past. But you gave us so much in the present. These great and precious promises. That are so great and so precious. Because of the one who promised. Because you are able to fulfill them. You don't just say it and then forget about it. Or say it and are unable to fulfill it. But the one in whom all power resides. Is able to be faithful to his promise. And that you do that because you love your children so for the people in here who feel like we feel overwhelmed, tired, ready to throw in the towel, weary, weak, about to stumble, Lord Almighty, teach us what it is to put our hope in you in order that we might rise up on eagles' wings, to run and not be weary, and then to walk and to not be faint. Thank you so much. This is your great promise for us. In Jesus' name we pray.